You're listening to the Reconditioned Podcast, and on this episode, I speak to psychological astrologer Danielle Beinstein, all about how we can use astrology to enhance our lives. So stay tuned for all things wellness and growth. Your personality creates your personal reality. Authentic power is when your personality comes to serve the energy of your soul. The truth is the body is one ecosystem. You can get to the root cause and everything goes away. Welcome to the Reconditioned Podcast, where I use my knowledge and expertise of over a decade in the wellness and transformation world to take a deep dive into what makes us thrive as humans. I'm Lauren Vacneen, leading wellness and transformation coach. And following my remission from the rheumatoid arthritis I'd had for 27 years that left me wheelchair bound by the age of 18, I created a unique coaching combination, conflating physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of self to create true long lasting well-being in all senses of the word. This podcast is one of the many free resources I've created to help you achieve the same. Whether you're suffering from chronic illness, raising children in a world of conflicting information, you're an entrepreneur wanting to step into your purpose, or you simply want to feel empowered and motivated to become the best version of yourself, join me along with expert guests as we uncover the most actionable and tangible ways to recondition ourselves back to wellness. This episode of Reconditioned is sponsored by Urban Veda, one of the only skincare brands I've personally found that is genuinely natural and cruelty-free, yet still smells and feels as luxurious as conventional brands, which is something I always found hard to find. Formulated with Ayurvedic principles, there is something for every skin type. Head to urbanveda.com and enter the code LAUREN15 at checkout for a 15% discount across the range. Well, have I got an episode for you today. Honestly, I mean, I I have enjoyed pretty much all of my guests, but Danielle and I had such a connection. We were speaking for about, I don't even know how long before and about half an hour after we stopped recording, just chatting. And it was just, you could kind of feel that in the show. It was so beautiful. And more than that, so many of my listeners get in touch with me about this subject, about astrology. And so many of my friends, because all of my friends are into you know, wellness and health and growth. And we're all we all have this kind of amateur interest in astrology, but really don't know enough about it. But we're all interested. We're like, oh, astrology, you know, it's like one of those things. So I was desperate to get Danny on the show and talk all about how we can use astrology to enhance our lives. And also because what she does is so amazing because she's trained in the psychology of human beings as well. She understands how to deliver the information and she understands the importance importance of the psychological impact of it and how our psychology plays a part and how the astrology plays a part in the psychology and also the spiritual aspect so she's really covering all grounds and as those of you who listen to the show know I'm all about an integrative approach combining all aspects of self to get the best results for health and growth and for healing so this was everything I hoped it would be and more and I think you guys are going to absolutely love it it was beautiful it was such a lovely exchange no other news to share this week and because it's quite a long show I'm not going to do such a long intro so I'm just going to let you get straight into it and enjoy all this about us stepping into adulthood
adulthood and understanding that we have this core energy and it's up to us to based psychological astrologer providing her clients with intuitive and pragmatic guidance as they navigate their life's journey she graduated from the university of santa monica's master's program in spiritual psychology in 2012 and followed with an additional year in consciousness health and healing in 2014 so welcome danny Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. It's such a joy oh to be here. God. Thank Opposite you. Opposite ends of the world. Opposite. Literally. Seasons. Yeah, so you're in New Zealand in the morning. Currently, yeah. Yes, correct. In the summer. Yes. Well, tail end of summer, right? We're about, <laughs> right. To, we're about to have our autumn equinox here. Oh, wow. Okay, you're going to take us through all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and we are in the dark London, just coming out of the winter now. So yeah. in the evening. So <laughs> different energies it. going on. I've got so much to dive into, but... First, just from your bio, I don't think there will be a person listening, knowing my audience, that won't be totally jealous that you've got to study spiritual psychology. Like what even is involved in that? What were the people on your course like? It must have been such a different experience to a standard course. For sure. So it was this really fascinating experience. I grew up in New York City and I came from a world that was highly academic, focused on academic achievement in a really traditional way, Mm -hmm. right? Obviously, there's especially... In America, we're having a, a real kind of a look at traditional education and why it doesn't work and what elements do work and from all angles. But I, I grew up in a very kind of traditional, you know, educational system. And this program in spiritual psychology is very radical because it's a experiential program where you take yourself through the learning and through the processing. And it's less about the kind of academic side of the history of psychology or the history of, you know, spirituality or even divinity. Um, It's not theological. It's not like a theological seminary in that way. It's really just here I am. Let me use all of these tools, learn all of these tools. And then you're your own test case. And then your fellow students are test cases. And I was just really lost when I entered that program in terms of what I was meant to do with my life, where I was meant to go. My understanding of intimacy and relationship was quite fractured. And so it was the healing balm that I needed. And it was an incredibly transformative few years. And the gifts just kept coming because I learned these tools. I use them to this day. So it was a really alternative program that I I really am so grateful for because it changed my whole worldview. It added not only a multidimensional understanding of the world, but of my place within it. How old were you at the time? I was just 30 when I entered the program. Wow. Okay. So you were like, I mean, I I don't know enough about this and I want you to take me through everything, but kind of around your Saturn return, right? Yes, that's exactly right. I was 29 um, when I applied to the program and that's called the Saturn return. Saturn return happens about when 29. When Saturn returns to the point it was at our birth and it's a point of great maturation. It can be for some people a bit of a trial period. For other people, there's a feeling of advancement or kind of cementing a certain aspect of their life, whether it's their relationship or their career or having their first child, but you'll start to notice that a lot starts to happen around 29, 30. And that is, yes, that is, you know, in the Gregorian calendar, the idea of turning 30 and everything that that represents. But then in astrological terms, it's really about us stepping into adulthood and understanding that we have this core energy and it's up to us to really direct it or harness it in a way that is beneficial. 
to our mm. own evolution. It's funny because I only found out about Saturn return after, but when I was 29, mm. everything in my life shifted. So it was the year yeah. I was getting married. I got married when I was 29, yeah. but I shifted from, it was like I woke up. I lost mm-hmm. friends, like literally my whole friendship group changed. I, I suddenly realized where I wanted to go with my career and where where everything in my life had been leading. I finally went into remission and got myself from like disability to remission. Everything shifted. And now I understand. Okay, that was my Saturn return. That was mad how that happened that year. Yeah. It's a major, major year. And then if you look at the individual birth chart, you can see where the Saturn return is occurring. And so that's also going to tell us a lot about our own story and our own cycles and unfolding. So fascinating. Okay, so before we really kind of open that all up, what made you want to get into this of everything? So you were saying kind of you felt a bit lost, but what was your background leading up to this? Yeah, I was interested always in politics and media and film and television and storytelling. And my interests were vast, but all through the lens of the human experience. That was really the thing that drove my interest from a structural standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, psychological, spiritual, what became then a spiritual interest as well. And I just, no matter where I was working or what I was doing, I ended up kind of counseling the people, especially the CEO, let's say, of where I was working. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of thought, well, if I'm doing this, I'm getting paid for this other job, but this seems to be what I'm actually doing. Why don't I make a career out of it? And it just was the thing that came the most naturally to me. Even in high school, I was the person that people came to, you know, for advice. And that's just kind of how I saw myself. I was always slightly an observer and a witness to rather than a full participant. Mm -hmm. And I think what the big growth spurt for me was in my late 20s through my early 30s was to learn how to be a participant. Wow. Not just a wallflower. Yeah. And I think that in that it gave me the grounding to really be able to do what I did, what I do now. Because I think that I, my vantage point was always that of a reader. I mean, I was a huge reader as a kid. I'm still a huge reader. I can, mm, I, I love literature, I lo- right? So it's participatory in one way, but in another, it's really more witness. Yeah, um, observational. And observation. So I had to experience, like step into the reality of my own life. And a lot of that came, yes, I love literature. I love, I love stories. I love reading. I have my whole life. But a lot of that was also a trauma response. It's kind of like a chicken or egg thing, right? But I, I had to learn how to step into fully my own life and the experiences that I had had and process them and the experiences and allow myself to have new experiences and not not be so in my head or so divorced from what I was experiencing on a physical and emotional level. And so that your, program really allowed that integration. And you were saying kind of the way you grew up was very, you know, academic and everyone kind of expected that kind of thing from you. So how was that? How was it received? I'm going to study spiritual psychology. Yeah, I mean, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very blessed in that my parents really encouraged us to all find our own unique path. And we certainly have. Um, a big thing that my my parents said to me um, growing up, especially my father, I grew up um, in a very, um, just in full disclosure, a pretty affluent area of Manhattan in a very kind of what people considered or did, especially in the 80s and not like peak New York City. Mm-hmm. And he, the whole time I was growing up, 
my dad had grown up in poverty and had done well for himself. And so his whole thing was education. He actually didn't even graduate seventh grade. He wanted us to have this education because he mm -hmm. hadn't had it. And my mother, my mother education is, is everything. She comes from a family of scientists. So, you know, I, he had said to me kind of growing up, you're here, you're at these schools, but the biggest disappointment to me would be if you stayed here, if you didn't go see the wow. world, if you didn't go experience something new, because this is, this, you're here so that you have, um, so the world is your oyster. You know, this is my, this is my gift to you. The world is your oyster. Um, this education is your kind of entry point into whatever you want to do. Uh, and so, yes, when I was like, I think I want to go to sc for school for psychology, they were like, well, why not Columbia or why not one of, you know, one of the NYU or, you know, any of these top schools. And I was like, I really, I really feel like this is the next part of my growth cycle is to kind of explore things from this vantage point. And they ultimately ended up being supportive. Um, I was very... I've always been very um, strongly opinionated. And I think that they, <laughs> one thing that they always said to me is, we don't really have to worry about you. So I think that they had to kind of walk their talk and say, all right, if this is what you feel like you're doing. Um, but also by that point, I was 30, right? So the, the kind of chokehold of parental influence was lessening or loosening. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they, they came around. They still are like, they can't quite wrap their head around what I are do. Are they like, but they, what do you do exactly? Totally. But I will again. say that my dad does say to me all, you know, my, my dad does say to me all the time, you know, I don't really understand what you do, but I just want you to know I'm so proud of you. You know, so Oh, like, so cute. Yeah, my dad yeah. doesn't get what I do either. My dad's like, what do you, like, I know, like, I can ask you stuff about health, but what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> okay so, right let's dive into astrology so I am an absolute novice but like many people I have such an interest and want to know more and I bet you hear yeah. that all the time like oh I, I do although, astrology although especially millennials um it's become such mm. a big part of the conversation and you know yeah. between the major apps and um more and more people are certainly learning about it. I guess my, my approach is that we are, we are made up of this energy, right? It's mm -hmm. like, it's dynamic, but it's also neutral until directed. And there, I'm less of a believer of we're at the total mercy of what happens and more that it's a psychological tool to understand ourselves better. Um, and that's where my master's really comes in, in such an important way for my work, because a lot of what I do is facilitation and, you know, in order to facilitate in a way that is purposeful and meaningful and helpful to my clients, I need to have a, an understanding of the psychological realm, but also understand how to deliver information in mm. a way that is not traumatizing because a lot of times right, people will yeah. come to me and they'll be quite traumatized by what they've read or heard or Googled. Um, and That's such an interesting point. I never thought about that because sometimes you get told something about, you know, your astrological sign or your, you know, your horoscope or something, yeah. and then it's traumatizing. Yeah, and it's not. It's not a necessarily even true. It's yeah, even more likely not to be true. Yeah. So, I, to me, it's really dynamic. Um, and I would say that 
the flip side of the more positive side of you know the the witnessing and the observation and the the deep self-reflective work that I've done on myself and the kind of more introverted core nature that I have um, is that it allows me to really sit with that energy in a way that is uh, complex, nuanced, and textured mm-hmm. rather than cookie cutter. Amazing. And, then, and that yeah. that is literally my approach to everything in life so I love that because I think we have to be like that like nothing works in isolation there's no one size fits all for health happiness fulfillment anything so nothing you know something that I've been uh I just did you know had another conversation with another person actually in London and I was talking about how I am at my core a city person I'm a city girl like through and throughout. I I love (laughs) jaunts in nature and jaunts in the country, but I am, when I am in the city, I feel fully alive. And there's a, you know, a big part of the conversation that's happening in the wellness world. That's like, the city isn't good for you. And it's only the country and nature that's good for you. And, you know, I, I just don't, I, my personal experience is that's not true for me. I you know? agree. I actually wrote an article about this. I totally agree. And I think that it's really anytime we have these, you know, one size fits all models, I do the same thing with astrology. I'm like, astrology is a tool in a box of tools, you know? Um, that's why I do chakra work. That's why I do inner child healing work. Mm. Um, I'm not a human design expert, but I think human design has a lot to I offer. Love I love human think design. The Enneagram, yeah. the you know, the Myers, but these are all tools. And so, uh, I think they're all important, but I think anytime we try and reduce anyone or anything to a formula, we're in a danger zone. Absolutely. Okay. So let's go into astrology and let's start with moon and sun signs and what they Mm -hmm. mean and because I think the average person will know what's your star sign and that's actually your moon sign right Uh, that's your sun that's your sun yeah right so so let's let's dive into that and how that all works yeah so there are 12 zodiac signs right and there are 10 main celestial bodies that are in any given natal chart and it's where they're located in the chart and the aspects, the geometrical aspects that they're making to one another that can reveal our patterning. That's why we're not just our sun sign and our moon sign, but our sun sign reveals our core vital energy. So the lens through which we express our core energy, it's mm-hmm. not everything by any means. But um, for example, I'm a Virgo, which means that at my core, I'm gonna seek either to be of service, um, which I, do, um, a kind of efficiency in whatever I do, because that's very Virgoan, and kind of um, distill things to their purest sense. It's also, mm-hmm. Virgo itself is not a sign that is um, the loudest in the room, but there's other aspects of a chart that can actually counter that. But the sun sign is right. just, you know, I'm sharing that because people often think like, oh, well, whatever your sun sign is, that just colors everything. But I'm just using me as a personal example that that's not true at all, right? Because I can actually be quite um, loud. And then the moon sign is about our core emotional energy, our needs, 
what is, um, what cannot be intellectualized or, um, ration. It, you can't have like a rational approach to the moon, even if your moon is in an air sign, which would make the feelings, the desire to make the feelings more intellectual, even that is a core emotional right. need. And so, is that because the moon is the more feminine and the feminine correct. energy is the more intuitive, nurturing energy, and there's not necessarily correct. like a pragmatic approach to the feminine? Exactly, exactly. And the way that we relate to our own emotional landscape and our needs. Um, so those are the what are called the luminaries the sun and the moon. And then you have the personal planets. So those are Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Um, Mercury is thought and communication, how we process things mentally. Uh, Venus is our likes, our desires, our values, our experience of relationship and money. And then Mars, um, traditionally considered the feminine planet. Um, And then Mars is traditionally considered the masculine planet. And that is drive and motivation and a kind of um, sexuality, um, right. different than Venus sexuality. Um, and then you have then you have the outer planets, which are Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. I think I just named. Yeah, them. I get my my five year old singing me the songs oh. all the time. So he's like oh, really into so- the planets. So sorry. Is there a song about the planets, like ABC? Well, he's made his own. Yeah, well, oh. no, like he makes his own. He's obsessed with the planets. So he's always, he was just, my husband made him a, it, when we were That's homeschooling, amazing. made him out of a cardboard box. He was like, can we make a rocket ship? So my husband made him a rocket ship. Oh. So he was just sitting in his rocket ship before when we were having dinner saying, right, I'm going now. I'm flying into space. I said, right, what planet are you going to? He goes, obviously uh jupiter because it's my favorite planet <laughs> and then he tells me all about jupiter and you know it's the biggest planet I and love the... it. he's obsessed with the planets so yeah I love um, that. yeah it's really cute um okay so how does it work in terms of okay so like i am a triple pisces from what i can Ooh. see so my sun and my moon and mercury are pisces um Happy birthday. And- Thank you. Thank you. It was last week. Um, and I've always wondered what that means, because if my sun and moon are both Pisces and then the Mercury is Pisces, like how can we un- get a better understanding of what that actually means for us and how to um, decipher that? Well, that would mean that you were born sometime around a new moon. That's the first thing to know. Okay. Um, just like as we speak, there is a new moon uh, in less than 24 hours. Um, in actually just about 12 hours or so from now. And a new moon is when the sun and the moon are at the exact same degree. Um, Mm. So the energy is more concentrated. It also indicates uh, a new beginning, a time when we plant seeds. So it just means that the energy is going to be more concentrated in you versus if you had a Pisces sun and a Taurus moon, those are actually, um, that energy flows really nicely but it's it's earth and water versus water and water and then mercury and pisces is a way that um it, it, it's mental impressions it's way of communicating is actually usually quite soft um it really does well in terms of any kind of metaphor visual metaphor poetic metaphor um it's can soak in nonverbal cues picks up everything around itself mm-hmm. um more likely to be telepathic than other Mercury signs. 
Uh, there's a, just a core sensitivity there um, yes. and an attunement. Right. So there's all of these um, websites like Cafe Astrology and places yeah. like that where you can get your natal chart and it, it tells you all your signs. Um, although it's very difficult if you don't understand it all to understand. So I guess that's what you offer in yeah. your practice. So I look at the whole picture because I always describe it like this. If you have a recipe and you have, you know, ingredients for that recipe and you're like, how on the earth are, you know, is this ingredient supposed to be with this ingredient? Right, like yeah. this doesn't make any, any sense, right? Um, but then when you cook it all together, it's this beautiful blend, right? That is the chart. So the, if you start to read it piecemeal, uh, what happens is, is you're like, wait, I have it. That's, uh-oh, uh-oh. And then you're like, wait, that's amazing. And you get confused instead of seeing it's actually one whole, we're human beings. So it's one yeah. cohesive whole, but we have dynamic, we have aspects of our psyche. And so what I do is I look for, the stronger elements, the weaker elements in the chart. Um, and when I say stronger and weaker, I mean what has a um, greater impact on our personality or a lesser impact on our personality. You know, those are the aspects that I'll explore. And then I just, I'm able to kind of see it. I can't tell you exactly how it's a bit, it's more of an art than a science, but I can just kind of see the whole personality. Um, as I look at the chart, I don't know, I, I can't exactly tell you why, but I can see the different aspects um, and how they relate to one another. Right. And from Does that, then being able to give guidance on the best ways to kind of, a bit like human design where, where, okay, so this is your design. And so based on that, here's a good way to live by your design. Is it kind of like that? Yes, but I actually get into, um, on a deeper level, um, almost like a counseling. Um, mm. So a kind of spiritual guidance and counseling, especially for those who work with me over, over a period of time. Um, I end up bringing in the work that I did in my master's, which is more of a spiritual facilitation and guidance. Yeah. So I really, um, I have this for good or ill, this ability to kind of mirror the energy of whoever, whoever I'm talking to in my work. My partner would tell you that is absolutely not true on a personal level. I love level. that you said that because I have, <laughs> like, this so true. Family, like, you can have <laughs> this incredible, you know, rapport with clients and, you know, this this incredible way to be with them, but with your partner and with, like, your mom and dad, it's totally different, right? And they oh see God. you differently as well. all the time. He's like, I don't, can you use that tone with me? The one that you use with <laughs> I have the like same conversation <laughs> all the time. But if I, but the truth is, if I, if I'm talking to someone and they're, you know, I have a lot of clients who are quite alpha, um, and even male clients. And what in the beginning I will mirror them so they feel it's not conscious, it's not, it's not creepy. It's just like right. energetically. Yeah. That's just. I guess it's the empath in me where I will, yeah. where I will mirror it. Um, and then there's a level of safety that evolves. And then I kind of can go more into the woo-woo or the softer stuff. Um, yeah. But if I meet someone, like, for example, you, when you got on this call, you were quite soft-spoken. So I was quite soft-spoken. But if you listen to other podcasts where I get on and the person is quite assertive, 
I will then mirror that energy. Right. It's not something okay. I'm proud of. It's just, it's my, I think it's my Mercury and Libra where it's just kind of like a mirroring. Um, but yeah, my partner's like, can you use a kind of softer tone? You know? <laughs> like, my husband says that all the time. Every single other person in my life is like, you're so soft-spoken and you're so gentle. My husband's like, who are they talking to? <laughs> and also like my, my, you know, all my family, my in-laws, because they only ever see me when I'm around my kids. And it's like, get out the road, come here. Yeah. You yeah. know, your clients don't see you in that state. So no, it's totally don't. different. So no, let's so go true. through the signs and the elements and what that means for us. Because yeah. I've always wondered if my sun and my moon are both Pisces and that's a lot of water, mm-hmm. what does that mean for me? <laughs> well, it means that there's a, a, a an attunement and a sensitivity to you mm. um, that's more heightened. And you're going to absorb whatever's around you. So there are four elements. There is earth, air, fire, and water. And there are three what are called qualities. So there is cardinal, fixed, and mutable. And each sign is a unique mix of an element and a quality. And there are no overlaps. So, for example, Aries is cardinal fire. So cardinal energy initiates. So all of the signs that start the seasons are cardinal signs. They initiate. They start. Right. Okay. Thick signs, they build over time. So we initiate with the cardinal. We commit with the fixed. Mutable, we adapt. What kind of... um, we're more flexible and adaptable. So we take what is and we shift it into the next iteration or the next thing. So Aries is cardinal fire. So it initiates its first out of the gate. Taurus is fixed earth. So committed, right? That's why Taurus is known for its stubbornness. And then earth, Mm. it's deeply grounding, right? So earth signs tend to be more pragmatic, more practical. So Taurus tends to be more methodical. Gemini then is mutable air. So adaptable. That's why, you know, Gemini is known for for its interest in many different things and its curiosity and being light on its feet. Um, And then the air. Air is about communication. um, And air is about the intellect. So how we share information. Then we move on to the next set that starts with if we, if we're doing it by the qualities, right? So then we have, um, cardinal water, which is cancer. So cancers tend to be, um, the emotional initiators. Cancer energy can, um, for good or ill, manipulate the emotional temperature in a room. If a cancer is upset, almost if cancer energy, if there's strong cancer energy and it's upset, everybody in the room is going to feel that right? Even if they don't wow, say a word. Okay. There's a just kind of like, right. so, um, there's just kind of in a, uh, a very strong emotional energy that exists. So those people who kind of walk into a, career, a room and command the attention that they would often be a cancer. No, no. Um, it's, it's subtler than that. Right. It's subtler than that. It has, um, it, it's not, I'm going to walk in the room and everybody's going to notice it's that, uh, 
if we're in a family gathering or if we're even not, if it, you're going to feel cancer's emotion. So if they're, right. if they're holding on to something, you're going to feel it. Um, right. They have a kind of, I, cardinal signs are known for being controlling and we all are controlling. It's a master addiction. But that energy is like, you're going to feel that it has a kind of weight to it. Um, even though it's water, like it can just be felt by those around it. Right. Um, and it doesn't have to be the sun sign. It doesn't have to be the moon sign. It can be cancer rising. I'm cancer rising. I'm guilty of that. Um, I have to really be conscious of it though, you know, mm. um, as an example. Um, then we move on to Leo. So Leo is fixed fire. Leo, you're more going to like you're more likely to notice Leo walking into a room because Leo is, um, can be a bit more dramatic, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just quietly radiant. Um, they're not necessarily the extroverts of the chart, um, of the Zodiac, but they have a strong, they do have a strong presence and they kind of continually stoke the, the creative fire. We'll be back to the episode really soon, but first a quick word from our sponsors, Block Blue Light. So as a busy mum and entrepreneur, there are days where I have to work into the evening and this means being at my screen way longer than I'd prefer. So a while back, I invested in a pair of blue light blocking glasses. Now, if you've never heard of blue light blocking, let me give you a quick rundown. Natural blue light from the sun boosts our mood and alertness, but technology has meant that we're now exposed to so much artificial blue light from screens, devices and all modern lighting and it's really affecting our health. Artificial blue light disrupts our sleep, interferes with our hormones and causes digital eye strain which can lead to long-term eye health issues. Now I've been wearing my blue light blocking glasses for a while but it was in the second lockdown when I was homeschooling that I decided to get a pair for my five-year-old to protect him from the amount of screen time that was required for his learning and he now wears them anytime he's at a screen and if he's watching TV after dark. We got them from Block Blue Light, who are the world's leading supplier of blue and artificial light blocking products. I chose them above some of the other brands because they're dedicated to delivering the world's most optimal and science-backed blue light glasses and blue blocking lighting solutions like light bulbs. Some benefits you might notice instantly are improved sleep, less headaches, less migraines if you suffer from them, less eye strain, and a genuine boost in your well-being as your body adjusts back to its natural circadian rhythms. And let me tell you, since wearing these glasses, it's the first time in his whole five years that my son has slept past 7 a.m. And my most recent revelation with Block Blue Light has been their fit over glasses because I wear glasses for TV and computer and was finding it hard to wear both. But the fit over glasses are designed to slip right over your normal glasses without any heaviness or strain. So you get the best of both worlds. So to check out all of Block Blue Light's incredible health boosting products, including day and nighttime glasses, blue light blocking light bulbs, and 100% light blocking sleep masks to help you into a deeper sleep, visit blockbluelight.co.uk and use the code Lauren10 for a 10% discount. That's blockbluelight.co.uk and use the code Lauren10. Thank you to Block Blue Light. I see that so much. My dad and my sister-in-law are both Leo and they're both, they both have that quiet, subtle way of they command the the room you know like you want to be drawn to them just intuitively and they don't have to say anything and they're very you know 
they they don't have to you know be like here I am here I am it's just very subtle so I get that yeah that's exactly it but you know these these things get confused where people like I've had some people come to me and they're like I don't understand I'm an Aries but I'm not loud I'm like where did loud become associated because it's fire and people assume it means loud um, and they assume that aggressive or assertive means loud. But I think a beautiful example of this is there's a new movie on Netflix called Moxie, which I actually just watched last night, which is about a teenager who actually has a lot of gumption, but she herself is, is an introvert. And, you know, she's like, I'm not brave, but her actions end up being brave. And that's so Aries to me. It's like, it doesn't mean you have to be the loudest person in the room. Fire is about action also, you know, an instinctive action. So that's fixed fire is Leo. And then we move on to mutable earth, which is Virgo, which is like clay. So Virgo will adapt itself um, to its circumstances, but it's still clay. It's still firmly itself. Um, but it it aims to fix or support or buttress. Um, and like I said before, it has an interest in being efficient, but it can adapt to whatever the situation is because it's, it's mutable. The next um, is Libra. So now we're at the halfway mark. So now Libra is the mirroring. It's Libra is cardinal air. So Libra is when we're up where we move into autumn in the Northern hemisphere and uh, spring in the Southern hemisphere. And it's all about mirroring. So Libra is about relationship. Its shadow side is codependence. Um, and that's because, again, with the controlling factor, it seeks to control the other to keep the peace. Mm. Okay. Control one's, right? So Libra is very relationship-oriented, but Libra is also the mediator, beautiful mediator. So, right. um, But it initiates. Again, it kind of it has that strong um, drive. But the drive is driven towards partnership, which is interesting. Scorpio, the next sign is fixed water, ice. So, so Scorpio can turn to ice. If you know a Scorpio, it, it Scorpio gives more than any sign in the zodiac. It is wow. a wellspring of giving. But if you take advantage, or if it feels like it has been taken advantage of, and it gets to a breaking point, you will be cut off. You'll Stung. be cast out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 100%. But Scorpio gets a bad rap because you want emotional or psychological support. Scorpio is a gift from the gods. Truly. It is psychologically astute. It just emits energy and gives and gives. And I feel like it gets such a bad rap. Um, the next sign is Sagittarius. So Sagittarius is mutable fire. So action-oriented, needs to have experiences, not not satisfied just to have um, armchair experience, can be very philosophical in its approach, but really likes to learn the experience, learn for itself, to have the experience for itself. Um, the mutable part is why it's known for not as easily committing to something long-term. But as long as it's whatever it's committing to has an explorative quality to it or a philosophical bent, they're good to go. But um, strong philosophical nature, strong 
desire to find the truth also can be strongly opinionated. Capricorn is cardinal. So now we have um, the next season, right? So winter in the northern hemisphere, summer in the in the southern. And it is cardinal earth, which means it initiates, um, it initiates, but with a long-term plan, right? So it wants to, it wants to really, um, it wants to have a goal. It needs to have a goal. Capricorn does. Then we have fixed air. That's Aquarius. That's, um, can be ideologically fixed, um, but often brilliant, incredibly innovative, um, but it, it, it's hard to move an Aquarius from their line of thinking if it's not self-initiated. And then we have finally Pisces, which is mutable water, which is like neither here nor there, like in all realms simultaneously um, can be a bit escapist. Interesting. More of a peacemaker um, at times. But that's the core energy. And then you have to see what planet is in each, you know, sign. And then it, it's, it's layered, but that's the core, core energy. That was so helpful to really get such a deep insight into each sign. So that, that was amazing. You spoke about your, you were the Aquar- Aquarius rising or something rising. What does the rising mean? So cancer, I said, I'm cancer. Rising. cancer so yeah. the rising sign is, in terms of the psychological aspect, it's a bit like the conditioned mask. So it's a bit like um, the personality that we develop during our childhood. Um, And I cannot even tell you, adopted, birth, doesn't matter how often the rising sign, also called the ascendant, mirrors one of the parents' signs because we learn to be in the world from our parents or our caregivers, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Um, that I'm of the belief, different astrologers differ, that that tends to burn off as we get closer to our Saturn return and our sun emerges more. Um, there are mixed schools of thought about that, but I've, I found that to be fairly accurate. Um, that resonates but- because I suppose, you know, that's like you're saying, that's kind of a conditioning. Yeah. And then as we get more to the age where, and I guess, cause you say you do inner child work and I'm so, yes. I do inner child work with all my clients. I think it's one of the most important things we can do. So then you kind of shed that inner child conditioning. Yes. At a, and it often happens around that age. So yes, that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. And I, I just think that, but it, it doesn't go away completely, you know, but it, it does shift. And then we have something called a progress chart. So our, that's, we have our natal chart, which is our natal promise that remains the same, but then we have a progress chart, which tends to grow, um, with us. And we tend to evolve as we get older. Um, and so our, our energy will shift. Mm. Um, so we are complex beings and we are, (laughs) we really are. Um, okay. So what, um, how can you kind of enhance what you've already got? Is there a way to do that? So through understanding your sign and your natal chart, and can you, like we said, like using like human design stepping, is it by understanding it that you can then enhance it and work with it? Yes, yes. This brings up an important point. It's important to enhance it and work with it, but not use it as an excuse. 
Right. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Right. It's not like, oh, well, I'm X, therefore this is just how I operate. Right. Right. It's not a get out of jail free card, but it is an awareness that we have. And I think that the, one of the hardest things, I think one of the hardest things as we get older is, but also one of the greatest blessings as we get older is, um, in understanding our mortality and understanding, you know, when we're young and we go, uh, okay, I'm a soul having, having a human experience and this is my human experience and it's all just going to be, it's different than when we're 40, 50, 60, 70. And we, you know, we start to look backwards, um, in a different kind of way. And we start to take stock of where we are and we realize more from an experiential, truly experiential understanding that our time here is limited and that the truth is, and I know this is not popular with a lot of the, you know, the spiritual talk out there, but the truth is we do have limits as human beings. We have, Mm -hmm. we have limits, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and I think that there is, that's a container for the human experience. And it's one thing to understand that when we're young. And it's another thing to understand that as we get older. And to realize there's actually beauty and texture and nuance in that. Um, but we start to take a path, whatever that path is. And I think that's why so many of my clients who are younger fear starting on a path because they fear they can't get off it. Now, we can always start again, but we are informed by our experiences. But we have to jump in. Otherwise, we're on the sidelines. And we don't have the experience or the learning. So I think from when we're younger, we have this perspective of fear, because if we choose something, then we can't get out of it and we're stuck on a, you know, on a path. Um, And so that can delay our choosing into something, right? But at the same time, um, I think that, I also believe that there are certain learnings that we are meant to have, and it doesn't matter what road we pick, we are going to have those learnings. So the wind, the window dressing may be different, but the core energetic experience would be the oh, same. Yeah. Mm. And I think that that can bring a lot of solace from, you know, either youth or older age is realizing that we were going to have the core lessons that we were going to have, that we're going to have. Um, but that being said, I think there's a kind of lived in quality as we get older and only through our experiences do we recognize different aspects of our psyche. So a lot of what I see also is like through social media, um, you know, we're armed with all this knowledge. I'm this human design. I'm this astrology. I have this, you know, trauma. Um, But the truth is that we don't really understand it until we recognize how it's played out Mm -hmm. on the stage or how it's played out in, you know, in our life. So we can have this idea of what these things mean, what we don't know. It's the same thing as if we're starting a new exercise with a muscle that we've never used before. All of a sudden we're exercising that muscle. And I didn't know I had that muscle. (laughs) And that's where I think so much judgment comes in. It's like, well, I would do it differently. Well, how do you really know if you would Mm. do it differently? You know? And that's the thing about falling in love. That's the thing about, I haven't you know, had a child, but, you know, having a child is like, you don't know until you're in it. You don't know. Right. And I think, you know, my whole thing is to hold a sacred space of 
self-forgiveness, but also self-accountability, both simultaneously, right? It's neither one nor the other. It's all part of this growth um, and understanding. And I think my one thing with astrology where I can see a shadow side of it is like, oh, I'm just this, or I, I can't date that sign. Or right, I yeah. have a child that's that sign. Yeah, you know, it's like a very millennial thing, right? Like you say, yeah. having all this information and we have it at our fingertips and then it's like, okay, I've got all this information now and I'm going to decide based on that. And it is very millennial as opposed to kind of being just a bit more with the intuition. Yeah, and I think it's like, you know, it, it's easy to say, it's easy to kind of say, oh, like codependence is bad until you've been in a relationship for 15, 20 years and you realize that relationships, one person tends to take on one behavior and another person takes, and there's a, there is a kind of love that emerges through that, that is beautiful and deeply human. And I think when we just start labeling things as that's toxic or that's, it's like we find the relationships that work for us and we work with them. And no relationship is without its complexities and flaws. That's what every single novel is about. But I think that yeah. in this, in being armed with this knowledge, we're expecting perfection. We're expecting, if I know this, then I'm going to, it's going to be the shiny city on the hill for all things mm. because I know it. But you don't know it until you've lived it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's like with everything, isn't it? You know, people go for tarot readings or, you know, psychic readings, just wanting to be told what they want to hear so that then they can just go about and, and hope that then that will happen. But life just doesn't happen that way. Like you say, everything's more textured, more nuanced, and we have to allow for nuance in life because that's what this life is all about. And the unfolding mm. of it. And that's where we learn. Like we don't gr we don't grow through things just being even. The only growth ever even, happens. Yeah. Yeah. The only growth that ever happens happens after, you know, an upheaval or or, or or some big lesson or a rock bottom or something that's been really, really difficult. And it and it's that's shitty in a way because it's like, okay, we're only gonna get our growth when something bad happens, but it's not always bad, it's just change and it's shifting. And if things always stay the same, then we can't learn anything. It's so true. It's so true. And it's like, you know, Anne Lamott, you know, she's this beautiful quote, you know, just about basically, if you live long enough, you're going to lose people. You're mm -hmm. going to lose people that you thought you could never live without. And yeah. there's, there's no gold at the end of the rainbow to that other than having had the experience of loving mm -hmm. and being connected. Um, but these are the things that um, these are the things that are part of the human experience and human condition. And what I feel like I'm see, what I see a lot of, um, and I, I, you know, I, you see it like in anything from like Marvel movies, you know, taking off to a kind of aspect of spiritual wellness, which is like this superhuman existence. Where, and I just. The truth is, I also wouldn't find that very interesting. No, like because life isn't perfect, is it? No, no. And it's and like it's when messy. you meet, yeah, it's like when when you meet those people who their lives look perfect all the time, and you know, you ask them, "Don't you ever?" You know, I had this experience once with someone that I know, and 
And I don't ever get overwhelmed because, you know, as women, sometimes you just get together and you kind of just have a moan about, you know, this is really hard. Yeah. And today was a hard day and the kids are driving me mad or whatever. Like, no, no, I don't really. And I'm like, fuck off. You know, it's like, yeah. it's but okay I to think... get overwhelmed. It's okay for things not to be perfect. Right. And, you know, I, I also think it's hard to really build intimacy or connection when yeah. someone has a facade of perfection. But what I, right. what I, you know, here in that is, um, yeah, there's just, it's not a very lived in no. energy. And I always think people really, when you really think about it, and I've always stood by this, we fall in love with people's imperfections, not we their do. perfections. We do. Because it's, that it's like that, thing. that thing that makes them uniquely them that other people don't see and only you get to see and therefore it makes them yours. 100%. It's that amazing, amazing speech that Robin Williams gives, uh, Robin Williams' character gives in Good Will Hunting to Matt Damon's character. Yes. About, you yeah, know what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. Oh um, my God. That was, yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's totally. Yeah. It's, um, it's the most true thing. And I think it's, um, it's what makes, it, it's what makes the journey worthwhile, right? Are these these idiosyncrasies um, mm. and these complexities that we encounter in ourselves and in others. And I think um, there's a whole lot of labeling going on out there. And I think it's just very exhausting. And yeah, think- exhausting and sometimes damaging. I love yeah. that all this stuff you're talking about, it's not just just kind of astrology on its own it's like you say because you're with the psychology and the spirituality it's such an amalgamation of all this stuff to kind of have this more holistic approach and so I love that because this conversation is going in directions that I didn't expect it to um but let's go back to the astrology for sorry what were you going to say you carry on well I think that there's also um you know I, I grew up around a fair share amount of um, depression and mental illness. Um, Mm. And I've seen the mind turn against itself. And I've seen the, um, the deep sadness that that can bring. Um, And I think that we are in a state in our world where more people are anxious mm. and depressed than ever before yeah. because of the pandemic, because of the, especially in, you know, in our societies, the the extremely high cost of living, the sense of pressure, the sense of accomplishment and drive. Um, and I just, I never want to be part of a conversation that perpetuates that level of suffering. Mm. I always want to be part of a conversation that um, that allows for just how complex and at times challenging and at times blissful beyond belief life can be, the whole spectrum of it, the whole mm-hmm. kaleidoscope of it. Um, but anything that only tries to get us towards happiness to me is toxic. Mm. and I I just I think it's for the majority of humans on this planet it's a false narrative so I do think like I do think our natural state 
quote unquote, is joy. But nothing in the natural world stays the way it is without being mm. shaped and shifted. And I think I look around at the world today and it's there's beautiful examples of humanity and compassion and grace and stunning works of art. And there is also profound suffering and loss. Somewhere along the way on my journey towards wellness, I learned that what I put on my body is as important as what I put in my body. So I began looking for natural skincare brands. It was surprisingly difficult to find products that were both genuinely natural and also felt as luxurious as the conventional brands I was used to. I wanted them to smell nice. I wanted texture. And of course, I wanted products that really worked. Then a few years ago, I found Urban Veda, and I've been using their products ever since. I'm also not paying extortionate prices for the products. They're totally affordable at the same time as being natural, vegan, and cruelty-free. One of the things I love about Urban Veda is how the products are formulated with Ayurvedic principles, offering options for all different skin types and doshas. You can even take their fun dosha quiz on urbanveda.com to find out your personality and skin type. As an offering from Urban Veda to my listeners, you can get a very generous 15% discount across their range by visiting urbanveda.com and using the code LAUREN15 at checkout. Thank you so much to Urban Veda. Right, because they, they, they exist in equal amounts, but I think it's um, giving people the tools. You know, some people yeah. are not equipped with the tools to find that joy at all. And so I think it's not about... Yeah promising lifelong happiness it's about equipping people with the, the tools to be able to find the joy in life yes yes i um i remember brad pitt once said in an interview like i don't i believe happiness something like this exists in moments right you get yeah. it in moments and i yeah. i that's what i believe i you know that's what i believe yeah of course because we're not happy all day long, every single day, even if things are going well, there's, yeah, it's just, that's life. No, I think it's hard to be a, a thinking, questioning individual and not, you know, and not see it all. And I don't think it comes down to that. I read a book once that my mom actually bought for me <laughs> called The Highly Sensitive Person. Have you read that book? Yeah. I haven't read it, but, Life but yes, I think being a highly sensitive person, yeah, and I think um, it's a gift and a curse in equal proportion, right? Well, that's the thing because you know, it's the when you are highly sensitive, you take it all on and you see it all, and so you can see all the joy and the happiness, but equally, anything that's not that, you take it on, you know, in ten times the amount that someone who's not highly sensitive would take it on. And it affects you in so many ways. And I speak about this a lot because as a child, I, I mean, I'm still dealing with the trauma of kind of having no one understanding yeah. quite why the Gulf War affected me when I was six so badly or seeing the Romanian orphans in, you know, on the news with the flies yeah. all over them. Like I still have nightmares about it. This yeah. stuff affected me so profoundly because I had no way of anyone understanding why it affected me profoundly and no way of filtering it out. Or releasing that energy and getting rid of it yeah. a little bit. I really, I really hear you. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, and I really don't mean to offend anyone, but I'm, I'm here in New Zealand and it is culturally the most foreign I've ever felt in my 
entire life. I mean, the, the, the vast gulf between the Kiwi, you know, kind of personality and cultural landscape and the American landscape it could not be farther really? from. Um, and I, I consider myself a bit of an Anglophile. Um, and I know there's the whole like British stiff upper lip thing, but <laughs> the Kiwi, um, there is a reserve here and there is a, um, a, I, I suppose because it's also such, there's only 5 million people in this whole country. So there's just mm-hmm. spaciousness all around, but there's not a lot of um, openness and dialogue. And as I, I speak to people who are here, there is this, this real reserve. So it's like the opposite of the American confessional culture. And it really makes me realize as much as kind of, I know other cultures roll their eyes at American confessionalism and, and the kind of our feelings are everywhere. I, I do ultimately think it's healthier. I do mm. because um, there is there is something so, I think, deep about the human desire to be seen and to be heard. Um, and I'm a very big personality. And it's been very strange being in a country where that is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. So like I'll walk into a store, for example, and I'll like see something that's beautiful and I'll light up. Like I just have that thing where I'll like, or I'll get excited about a croissant because it's like a, per- and like, <laughs> you know, in America or even London where I spend a lot of time where I've actually traveled the whole globe, certainly in Italy, you know, there's a, um, but there is just a kind of, oh, she's a bit unsettled, is she? You know, energy. <laughs> and it's interesting. To be fair, that is how you would be seen in London. Oh, you're talking to me. I don't know you. <laughs> That's true. But I guess because I've, I've spent time in London, I think there, you know, I don't know. You think even in like Shoreditch or Hackney, I feel like there's a little bit. No, more yeah, you're that. right. Shoreditch and Hackney, no. But like if you're in the suburbs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Totally, totally. And I get it's like coming from New York City and LA, it's shocking to my system. And it's also yeah. really, I think, an interesting study in the human condition and in like societal expectations that will I think continue to inform me and my understanding of both myself, but also in being able to hold space for clients. But it's, it's an interesting thing to pay witness to um, in terms of what I teach and what I hold space for, Mm. because it is, it is like the complete opposite. You know, yeah. so it's it's just yeah. interesting to experience that, you know. Yeah, I guess maybe that comes down to ancestral stuff and, you know, trauma from the land. Although America has that as well, you know, with yeah, the whole kind of just, persecution of I, the Native Americans. Yeah, I think there's the big tall poppy syndrome that's here, mm-hmm. which is so different from America. It's like, no, in America, you know, stand out, be the best, you know, celebrate being the best. And here it's, mm. there's a deep egalitarian thread um, right. through that runs through the culture. Um, and they're, unlike England, they're not classist at all. It's the reverse. Um, mm. So that's been really interesting to witness as well and study as well. 
Yeah, I'm and sure. also my partner is Kiwi to, or half Kiwi. So to kind of see those qualities in him, um, it's just an you know, it's like seeing an an animal in their natural habitat. It's like oh, yeah. this, this is puts you know, it in context. Yeah, which brings up another point. When I do my work, I do I'm I try to be as mindful as of different cultures as I can because nothing happens in isolation. So the energy mm-hmm. of our chart is. Um, it's informed by our environment, right? So let's say a Leo in Los Angeles is going to be manifest differently than a Leo in this culture. Right. Right. So being aware. Let's talk about manifestation. I also want to talk about the moon. Does our, our star sign, our moon sign, all of that, like our natal chart and, and what's in there, does that affect how easily we can manifest and how we're connected to to that possibility? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, yes and no. Again, uh, context matters. So uh, as is childhood conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of directness that I find with a sign like Aries that's able to just declare what they want, know what they want, and it it can come in a way. Whereas uh, I can find with like, let's say water signs, especially like Cancer or Scorpio, they may be addicted to the process. Um, and so there can be, it can be less direct when they're going for what they want. A Libra, you know, Libra can equivocate is that the word like they can kind of go back and forth um and be indecisive so energetically um it's not going to be as clear a manifestation or it's not going to come because the do i want this or do i want this do i want this do i want this that can so the way in which we manifest will be different but the the ability to be able to manifest isn't yeah and i think Again, I think the chi- that's where, like, my friend Lacey Phillips' work is really amazing. Um, yes, it's the inner yeah, child. I love her work. Um, it's that inner child work um, that I also learned in my master's program that I, I think mm-hmm. is kind of the key to subconscious and how we hold. And I, there's just, it just is true. Um, but I don't think it means you can have everything. I think it can mean you can have what you're meant is meant for you. And -hmm. I don't mean that in a limiting way. I just mean that in like a, um, we all can't have an estate, a $40 million estate, but we can have our kind of, you know, house or dwelling that is meant for us that feels expansive and we feel the most aligned with. And authentic, like yes, what is authentic. meant to, if you come into your authenticity, yeah. to use Lacey's language as well, because I love all that, yeah. you, you know, to come into your authenticity and then know who you are at your core and use what you've got in terms of your chart and understand your chart and understand how you manifest for you authentically, then you can move oh. into that. Yes. Also, I think there is a thing of like the eyes being bigger than the mouth, I mean, than the stomach. For example, like 
I love design. It's part of the reason I love to travel so much, right? I love design. I love being in different hotels and different rooms and different restaurants. I love design. Um, And I can look at a house, let's say, um, on a sweeping bit of land and the house is absolutely stunning and I can be like, oh my God, it'd be my dream to live there. But me personally, I'd be bored out of my mind and miserable after five days. Like I, that's not actually, but I can look at it and be like, I want that. It's a shiny thing. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. It's Mm -hmm. beautiful. But actually if I own that, Mm. I'd probably be miserable. Yeah, but that's so. That's why it's so important to learn who we are authentically yes. because we yes. want the things we're told by society should make us happy. That's right. And so, yes. until, yeah, exactly. I so get that because then until you learn who you are at your core and what lights you up and the things that are authentically you, you can't know what you want. So my husband, it would be authentically him to live off grid. Yeah. Like he, that could suit him. Yeah, but it wouldn't for me because as much as I am a raving hippie and the rest of it, I also like comfort. I like soft things. I like a clean yeah. house. I don't want my house to be filled with mud. I don't want to have to operate a generator. I don't want to. <laughs> do you know? I don't like. <laughs> I want to yes. plant my own fruit and veg and all of that, but I don't want to have to like sit in the dark and be freezing cold. I'm I'm a cold person. I want warmth. Yeah. I want comfort. I like to see nice things, and yeah. through getting to know myself and who I am and understanding my core essence. I'm okay with that now. Like, it's not like I have to justify, oh, yeah, I I should want to live off grid because essentially, you know, everyone thinks this is kind of me. But actually, I really like nice hotels and I like soft things and I like Egyptian cotton to sleep on. (laughs) That's why it is so important. And that applies to everything. It's like, you know, what actually lights you up? Like for me, it's kind of having random conversations in cities and, and, And that synchronicity of bumping into people and being able to just pop into a museum for an hour. I love that too, yeah. That's why I love New York, yeah. Yeah, but I can look at, like I said, like a house on on acreage and be like, that's beautiful. I'd love Mm. to live on a farm. No, I wouldn't. No. (laughs) I'd like, I want to pop in. It'd be nice to have a holiday, yeah, yeah. I'll pop in and have a cup of tea. (laughs) Exactly. But, and I think that it's in social media where we're, constantly taking in all of these sites so we think oh wait that's me that's me that's me but just because it's beautiful yeah you know just like a certain like couture dress would be gorgeous but like I am not wearing that right you know what I mean like yeah I feel like you and me are spirit sisters like (laughs) you're my spirit animal now so (laughs) let's go with that let's talk about the moon a bit because I don't want to take too much more of your time but I want to talk about the moon because um there is a lot to know about the moon right and how it affects us and especially as women and how it affects our cycle and um talk to me about how we can use the moon and work with the moon and use it to our advantage and moon rituals and all of that great question because this is actually how I started my career um my dear friend Paula Malice and I um who's a doula and a spiritual guide um we started these circles these new moon circles where I would talk about the astrology and she would, we would hold the space and she would hold the, she's just magnificent at holding this spiritual attunement. Um, and we started these circles and they, they were just, they started as donation only in Venice at her home. And they just started growing and growing and growing to the point where she ended up actually opening um, a place in, in Los Angeles 
called women's space mm-hmm. um, to, to hold, continue to hold these circles. But they just kind of kept growing. And we started with the new moon and then we added the full moon into the idea of living by the moon cycles, which I come back to as the most important thing. So the moon um, is a, basically a 28-day cycle. It starts with the new moon. That's when the sun and the moon are at the exact same degree. So each new moon will be in a certain sign. So the, um, uh, the one, for example, on March 13th is, on, um, is in Pisces, right? And that will color and flavor the energy of the moon. So we plant the seeds, we set intentions. Then two weeks later, we have a full moon. And the full moon is about culmination release. So in the new moon, we plant seeds. In the full moon, we notice what's transpired over the last two weeks, any action that we've taken, and then we see if anything comes to the surface, any illumination and culmination. Mm -hmm. Um, And the full moon will correspond to a new moon that happened six months prior. So often we can see if anything has transpired in those six months. So the new moon, we plant the seeds. Six months later, we have the corresponding full moon. Right. But then two weeks later, after the full moon, we have another new moon. And in between both of those, we have uh, the waxing half moon and the waning half moon. And there is a kind of um, rising towards and then letting go. And there's a quite a profound power in living attuned to that cycle, especially as women. Um, noticing our own uh, menstrual cycles, as an example, um, and how they correspond with. And the more we start to look, you know, start to kind of notice these things, we might notice that our cycle kind of lines Mm. up. But on an emotional level, in the days leading up to a new moon, we may feel particularly tender and we may feel like we want to go into that dark of the moon. Um, as we move towards the full moon, we'll find that our energy usually starts to ramp up. And then it's where these moons fall in our own, what's called our own natal chart, which is why I created the online membership that I did because it's all about following the moon cycles. I do a whole thing on the new moon and a whole thing on the full moon because I find that they're such important markers and the more we check in with them, the more we recognize who we are and what we're about and what it is that we do deeply desire. That's a really good segue into you telling us about your services and everything you do because your website's so beautiful, so lovely to look at and you've got all these different services. So tell us about all of that. So I work one-on-one with people. That's still the kind of grounding of everything that I do and usually in either a half hour or hour capacity and then you know, runs the gamut. Some people I work with on a quite a continual basis. Others kind of pop in around their birthday or just for a classic reading. Some people do a solar return. Some people, you know, we look at a progress chart. I also do astro cartography as a big part of my work, family dynamics, relationship, partnership charts, all of it. And then I have this online offering. Well, I have, you can get a la carte. I have an intro to astrology course and a chakra alignment course. But the other thing I have is a membership 
where it's inclusive of those two, but it's also a community. So we have a live community call once a month, which is so, so beautiful. It's this really intimate gathering um, and they're all recorded. And so people can go back and listen to them mm-hmm. because I don't know why, but not everyone shows up to the call. So it ends up the, mm-hmm. being quite intimate, but then other people listen to them. And then every new and full moon, I do a write-up, a series of prompts. I do a specific playlist, books that might be worth reading around that time, films or streaming that are calling that energy. And then there's a community around it, especially the the new version that I just launched, uh, the 2.0. Love that. So people can ask questions, people pop up their chart, respond. Oh, and then I also have a meditation and a video that I do with each new and full moon as well. So there's something for everyone. Yes. Yeah. And you can participate or you can kind of, or you can not participate. It's, it really runs the gamut, but it's a, it's a really beautiful community that's growing really supportive, nurturing, loving community. I love that. Before we wrap up, that was kind of a nice segue into what you offer, but there's all this terminology around Mm -hmm. astrology that most people want to understand and don't understand. So tell me just a little bit of kind of the most uh, common ones, so retrograde, square, conjunct, these kind of things. Let's go into retrograde first because we always hear Mercury's in retrograde. Oh my God. It's the illusion of the planet (laughs) moving backwards. So Mercury retrograde, happens on average three times a year, sometimes four times a year. And it's the illusion of it moving backwards for about three weeks. And so when a planet is retrograde, everything moves retrograde except for the sun and the moon. When a planet moves retrograde, if the energy becomes more internalized, it's a period of review um, or anything with a re in front of it. So review, rethink, reorganize, restructure, rework. It's a time when classically you're not supposed to sign contracts. It's just before you really commit to whatever that thing is, kind of think it over. But it's also a really magical time, a retrograde, because we start to have awarenesses that we might not have had. Right. And presumably they're all different for each planet. Yes. Yes. And then the square and the conjunct and the opposition and the trine and the sextile, these are all what are called aspects. So they're the geometrical degree that they're forming to another planet or point. And so they inform the energy. So an opposition and a square and a conjunction are called an hard aspect, a sextile, a trine. These are called soft aspects. And they they inf- the chart and the energy in the chart a great deal. Right. Amazing. Okay. So we've got a little bit more of an understanding of all of that. Beautiful. Okay. So as I told you um, before we started, we do All About You, where yep. I'm going to ask you a series of quick fire questions and you just kind of answer from intuition, okay. one word or one sentence, whatever. I mean, I'm not strict. Okay, so are you ready? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. One thing people can do today to help them live in their authenticity. Pause and notice what brings a smile to your face. Mm, it's so important. And actually, very few of us do that. If you could have a career other than astrology, what would it be? Lawyer. Really? Mm-hmm. And it couldn't be more different. Wow. Yeah. I did I have, not see that coming. I have two major camps. I mean, I see the spectrum, but the two biggest camps that I have are actors and lawyers. Wow, really? Yeah. That's so yeah. funny. I, I'm fascinated by the law. I love kind of puzzle pieces like that, you know? Mm, wow. I did not see that coming. You've just shocked me. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay. The biggest challenge in running your business learning when to turn off mm. oh, such a tough one yeah 
not, I'm not very good at it. No, I get it. Um, a book that changed your life. A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. That's mine. That's my book really? that changed my life. Yes. There's literally, if anyone asked me that, that's mine. It, really? It ruined me. Ruined me. Oh, absolutely ruined fetal me. Fetal position on literally. the floor. And if people ever say, like, what's your favorite book? Have you got a book recommendation? And I'll go, A Little Life. But listen, it's going to ruin you. <laughs> it, you're going to be so depressed. Yeah. No, 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 but do it. Like, <laughs> It's going to, ch- because it also, it opens something inside of you. And I think it's really about the willingness to let love in. It is magical, that book. Magic, no, depressing, is- life, life altering, She's magic. Like, she wrote it in like 18 months. She's the editor-in-chief, I think, of... T Magazine, the New York Times Magazine. She was at Condé Nast Traveler and like drew it in 18 months. I don't even know how you can write a book like that in 18 months because the amount of detail and I kept thinking once she gets like three quarters of the way through, doesn't she have to go back to remember what happened a quarter of the way through? Amazing book. Amazing. Yeah. I wrote that book in 48 (laughs) hours. I literally, I I just was in fetal position. Yes. I just. Took me four months. Really? Took me four months. I did have a toddler at the time. Ah, yes. Yes. No, I did not have a toddler and I was not in a relationship. And I just, I did not leave my couch for 48 hours. It's funny because I, I'm not a rereader. I don't reread books because I have this thing of like, there are so many books to read in so little time and I want to read all the books. But that one, I didn't get all the way through, but I did make a start on rereading because I just had to give more of myself to it. I read past I just go back and I read like passages. There's one passage where the character Willem details relationships and how he goes through a growth and an awakening and realizing that the relationships, what he starts to notice is why people choose the people they do. And it's such a stunning depiction. And then there's just so many passages in that book that are just such stunning nuggets of wisdom. There's also a passage because I'm childless about being childless and how when you're childless, there is a lack of a structure that children bring you. Your your life just kind of is open before you, but without any, you know, when you have children, you have the school schedule and you have, you know, kind of that you're going to have this structure. And there's this beautiful way that she describes the kind of experience of childlessness in a sea of people with children, you know? She's just- You'll have to remind me of these. I'm going to have to go back and read these <laughs> things because I think on the first time of reading something so profound, yeah. you can get lost and miss those profound yeah. bits. We'll have to have another again, talk yeah. about this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's leave it there because those were yeah. amazing answers. Thank you so much. Just uh, let everyone know where they can find you. Just my Instagram at Danny Beinstein or my website, DanielleBeinstein.com. Amazing. We'll link those in the show notes. And thank you so much. This has been so eye-opening for me and given me so much information and so much to think about. And I actually can't wait to have a session with you. I'm going to book in with you. I'm so looking forward to it. It's such a joy to meet you, Lauren. And I'm and sorry you. it took me a while. I'm. It's been a bit wild being over here. Oh, no, don't even apologize. Thank you so much. So my pleasure. This season of Reconditioned is sponsored by Block Blue Light, the world's leading supplier of blue and artificial light blocking products, including blue light glasses and blue blocking lighting solutions. Blue light blocking products aim to alleviate digital eye strain, improve sleep and optimize health through mitigating the harmful effects of artificial light from screens and modern lighting. For a 10% discount across the range, visit blockbluelight.co.uk and enter the code LAUREN10. Thank you to Block Blue Light. 
Thank you so much for choosing to listen to Recondition today. I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe and maybe even leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. And better still, if you could share with friends and family who could benefit from the content, that's what I'd really love. I just want us to share the love so that everyone can understand how to use an integrative approach to life and health. For more free resources, visit laurenbackneen.co.uk and laurenbackneencoaching.com.